Welcome to episode 46 of the Breaking Balls podcast. NASCAR is in the middle of their West Coast swing, so Ad, I figured I might join you out there in the West Coast. We're heading to Phoenix a week early because your bachelor party is in Phoenix. NASCAR is actually in Vegas this week. Yes, Bob, a massive scheduling error on my part. Turns out I don't know how to read a calendar correctly, so... We're in Phoenix, at least we get to watch the race together, and we're going to break down Vegas. Flags in the air. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 46 of the Breaking Balls podcast. We are fresh out of Fontana, California, Fontucky. And we are heading to the desert, Las Vegas, the, the glitz and the glamour ad. A lot to break down this week as we are heading into uh, the third race of the season already. Yeah, Bob, it started fast and furious. Um, uh, you know, I, I could understand getting a little bit choked up, as you mentioned, Fontucky, Fontana, Fontalifornia, whatever you want to call it, Bob. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to miss that two-mile track. It's We talked about it on the last episode. Not going to skip over it again because it's days later and I am still feeling sad that that was the last race that that track gave us. That being said, Bob, I will sweep my emotions under the rug as I am so prone to do. And we will talk about Las Vegas because there's a lot to break down and a lot of, a lot of hopefuls headed into this week, Bob. A lot of hopefuls, and obviously there's two different races. This is, Vegas is one of the tracks that you do get you know twice a year, so... Obviously, we'll be back there for the playoffs, the first round of eight race. Um, we're going to focus kind of more on the spring race just because that's a little bit more indicative of you know the trends that we kind of follow here at Breaking Falls. Obviously, we've got a lot to break down. We're going to look at kind of each manufacturer, each team's storylines, uh, maybe something that happened last year, and of course, you know, how they fared overall in their history. I mean, not to spoil it, Adam, but one of these drivers has raced here 28 times, or this will be 28th race for him. It is not Corey LaJoy, but I digress. Anyway, where do we want to start here? Well, Bob, it, it always seems right since we're going to talk about the spring race. I mean, there was one team last year that if you look at the finishes, they absolutely just invaded, occupied, whatever you wanted to call it, to the top 10, putting all four of their drivers. Hendrick Motorsports, very used to having success on the racetrack. But when you get all four of your drivers into the top nine of any race, that's a heck of a day at the office, Bob. So, you know, I, I think I we've touched on it a little bit in the past shows about how, you know, Hedrick's had some issues. Obviously, Kyle Larson with the massive electrical failure last week to kind of put him behind the eight ball at Fontana. Um, you know, Chase Elliott seems to have a little bit of momentum going in the right direction. But, I mean, let's, let's face facts, Bob. You take a look at the point standings right now. William Byron, who this was a place where he was very good last year, he's – currently behind Travis Pastrana and one of them has run double the races than the other one. So at this point, it just seems like a get right race for Hendrick, Bob. And double is a small sample size. Cause this is again two races into the year, but still not a trend that you want to start with. If you're, you know, the Hendrick staple, uh, obviously Alex Bowman, your winner last year, that was, I believe his only win if I, uh, 
Was that his only win last year? Did he win Richmond in the spring as well? He might have won Richmond in the spring, actually. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. When Alex Bowman wins, I just kind of erase it from my mind. It's just one of those. Well, and that's the that's the problem with Bowman is his career, and you know people have made that at Hendrick is he doesn't dominate these races which he wins. He usually you know very late kind of you know steals one. He's in a position. And quite honestly, like you said, Hendrick invaded the top ten last year, but they didn't really dominate the race. It kind of felt like it was more Toyota toward you know the middle and beginning, and Hendrick kind of stole it with a late pit stop. And you know those are the good teams there. I mean, at the end of the day, Hendrick's got to build on something. Chase Elliott hasn't had a a hot start, obviously wrecking out of the five hundred. He got second last week, but you know they they're wanting to dominate these races. Kyle Larson is wanting to be top five the entire race. Has not been there. I mean, William Byron, like you said last year, good at this track. He's going to have to show something because you can't dig yourself into a hole with the field as deep as it is this year, Ad. I mean, Hendrick has won the last two spring races in Vegas. Does that trend continue with the next-gen car again this year? I don't know, but, you know, a year to figure it out for sure. That We'll see if anything's changed because... You know, there's another Chevy that is very dominant right now, Adam. I don't, I don't know if we want to transition to it or not, but um, we mentioned the Toyotas kind of were really good last year. One of those guys was Kyle Busch, who he's not with the Toyota anymore, is he? No, sir. Um, you know, obviously, the transition to RCR um, kind of had the, everybody talking about, did is Joe Gibbs going to deeply regret letting Kyle Busch walk? Because, you know, two races into the season and Kyle Busch has already won a race and I think what is the most scary about this whole thing is it feels like Kyle Busch could go out and dominate because we watched that eight car last year have really strong runs and just seemed to get a little bit unlucky when push came to shove or when they needed it the most. And Reddick just wasn't able to get the, you know, get the car into the finishing position sometimes. And not to say that they had a bad year, but just to think of the, all the knowledge that comes with Kyle Busch and combining with, you know, an organization that has run a successful team for such a long time, like RCR, the match just seems to be made in heaven here. It's not a huge, it's not a huge organization where you're running four cars. It's just the two of them. And I, I think at this point, Bob, it just seems like the match is kind of not, we were all so curious as to how this was going to work and so far so good by all accounts. And Kyle Busch is a driver where he, his emotions dictate how he's going to be running. If he's, you know, running well, he's going to be happy and everything's going to, you're going to get the best Kyle Busch. And right now you're getting that at RCR. Can they keep that momentum up? I don't know, but they, if they do, they're going to get a dominant driver this year because you know, this is his hometown track. He's only won there once ad, but we mentioned it, you know, he, he ran well last year. This was the next gen cars first, you know, West coast swing and, you know, second oval race and every team had, parts, pieces, and everything, shortage, this, that, and the other. And Kyle Busch was kind of the first car that wrecked in practice and qualifying, and they had to use the, the spare backup car with, you know, no wrap. It was, I think it had Denny Hamlin's name on it, even though it was, you know, Taylor Denny driver, and it goes out there and runs top five most of the race. It's a track that he's done pretty well at the last few years. Can he keep that up with the momentum right now? I don't know, but the one thing that I have to mention here is Kyle Busch is a really good driver, when he is on track all weekend. And guess what he's doing this week, Ad? Truck series. Craftsman truck series, which, by the way, I love saying that. It's, it just feels right. We're back, uh, The baby. Xfinity series and the Cup series. He's got all three. 
there's a chance he sweeps all three. I'm just saying, it's only happened twice in NASCAR history. Both times were Kyle Busch, by the way, at Bristol. So if anyone can do it, it's this guy. Also very interesting to see that he's running in the Xfinity Series for Colleg Racing. So, you know, also kind of a little bit of a cool bump for Colleg, you know, kind of that manufacturer alliance with the Chevrolets. Obviously going to be running KBM in the truck race, but just very cool to kind of have that, you know, for Colleg to kind of put the name in the hat and say, yeah, Kyle Busch has run a race for Colleg Racing. So one of those little things that in NASCAR history just puts him in the, puts him in the book. I like it. It's it's very strange though. You saw Austin Dillon run that car last week in California, and it, it, that alliance with RCR and Colleg in the Xfinity Series is just kind of it's beautiful, but it is strange. Just you know, hearing Kyle Busch in a Colleg racing car, we were you know mentioned on the podcast last year. He might be driving for them in the Cup Series, and I guess if you clip it right, we were right. Kyle Busch is going to drive for Colleg this year, folks. It just you know might not have been on the level we thought it was, but yeah, I, well, you know, well, add. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum here because Kyle Busch has a ton of momentum. But I guess another guy who kind of has carried momentum from his first win and, you know, we didn't talk about him a ton last week because, you know, wasn't necessarily dominant or stuck out at any point in the race. But Ricky Stenhouse and that that JTG forward, man, they found some they found, they're finding speed. They found speed. And it's just it's remarkable to me that I think I saw it on, uh, I think it's NASCAR analytics. The guy, one of the Twitter accounts, he does a really, really great job. I'll get his handle. I'll put it in the, uh, in the description of this episode because he, he puts out a ton of good content. But if the race would have gone green from the, from the start of the third, third stage on Ricky Stenhouse mm-hmm. would have ended up, would it ended up finishing? I think it was fifth or something like that. It just goes to show you they're, they're able to generate a ton of speed here, Bob. It seems as if the parity that the next gen car that was supposed to bring out is working. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse was that guy when the 500 won. Everyone was kind of like, "Oh, there, you know, there's a playoff spot gone. There's you know a round of 16 exit already. There you go." I'm not saying that's not the case still, but it is nice to see after two weeks. You know, he showed speed at the mile and a half oval, or I guess two mile oval in California. But that that you know oval package is going to be the bread and butter for NASCAR in the playoffs. The fact that Ricky Stenhouse showed it, at least in California, if he can show it this weekend at Vegas, you know, that's a team that is a nice story. I'm not saying they're a threat to win the championship by any means, but there's teams like, you know, Eric Jones last year in the 43, who had a couple of really good starts and, you know, hit or miss toward the middle of the season. They ended up getting a win. There's no reason they can't be like that or better. Moving yeah, I forward. just, I really think that there is room in NASCAR, even in the modern, even with, you know, the modern model of, of how it's doing business. I do think there is room for kind of this, you know, well-funded single car team to have success. And it just goes to show you that if they're able to kind of continue things and kind of make the correct alliances and things like that, I, it just seems as if they're kind of writing the blueprint for how to be, how to be successful when you're running a single car and, you know, the kind of that, that balance and the, the kind of the fine line you have to, you kind of have to ride between performance and efficiency because you're clearly one and run car, only running one car. So you've just got to make a lot of sacrifices, got to understand, you know, got to be very smart with your resources. So all credit to them for finding speed early in the year, Bob. Have to have to be smart with your resources. You have to maximize their runs too. You know, they have to, they're not going to be competing for wins. 
but they have to be in that you know 10 to 15 range you know no further than 20 back it feels like every week to you know really have you know a chance moving forward and you know point yourself into maybe you know the round of 12 who knows but you know it's something that they can build on and they having that win gives them you know that cushion to say hey we're going to develop the car where we can get better and i think that's something to watch with that team on the other side the other chevy team that's been riding momentum i mean Last year was their coming out party at California. They kept it rolling the last year or this year. Trackhouse, three and four last week, Ad. I mean, can they keep the momentum going? This is NASCAR's kind of hottest, you know, new team. It's a it's a fun story to watch. And, you know, Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez, this is the kind of track where they can really show NASCAR, hey, we're a legitimate team. A hundred percent, Bob. And I it's kind of a coming out party for the for Trackhouse and especially for Ross Chastain. I think it was noticeable how much more confident and comfortable he is behind the wheel after a full season in the Cup Series last year. Just seems like he kind of feels like he belongs. Um, certainly doesn't, you know, doesn't feel as if he is uh, as shaky. I, I don't know. It, shaky seems to be the only word I could use to describe it, but it just felt like any time cars got close to Ross Chastain, it wasn't if there was going to be contact between the two. It was just when. And it feels as if as racing has gone on this year, he's done a much better job of staying confident in his racing line, you know, making sure that everybody knows where he's going to be and not necessarily unnecessarily getting into people and causing himself trouble. Um, And Daniel Suarez, I just think he's really settled into his own in NASCAR. I think, you know, everybody was talking about how he seemed to have a very loyal fan base in California. Um, One of the, you know, one of the more popular drivers and, it just goes to show you, we talk about it a lot on this podcast about how we're, we're so, you know, excited and kind of enamored by what they're building at Trackhouse. But it's just one of these things that as you take a look into the weekend, it seems as if they're definitely destined to have some success here, Bob. Well, if that's, if that's Adam O'Shea wagering his money on Trackhouse, I, I am here for it. But um, there's teams that, haven't been riding the high as much this year, Ad. Talking about the Toyota side. Hasn't been a, a banner year, really, to, to start. Obviously, Martin Truex wins the, the clash of the Coliseum, but that's not a point race. You know, it, It's it's nice to get in the wind column and get that confidence for the 19 team. But as far as the Daytona 500, and even you know, last week in California, wasn't the best start for the Toyotas. Uh, I, I think that everyone will be you know honest about that. I, it, w- it went better than last year in California, you know, Again, the engines didn't overheat, but uh, Vegas is a, a track where Toyota can really kind of you know show, hey, we're going to take a step closer to the Chevys this year. You know, obviously last year was a huge chance for them to come out with Truex and Kyle Busch, really the class of the field, all up until 15 to go, and then a caution comes out and Hendrick gets their you know two or three guys up in the top five and washes him out. I mean, that could have been Martin Truex's chance to be in the playoffs right there. Added, looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty. That was one of his best chances there. Obviously, yeah. Kyle Busch coming out with that backup car. It showed that Toyota had good speed at Vegas in the spring. They really need to do it again this year because Truex has two wins at, at this track. He's very close to being one of the better drivers at this track. You know, they're going to have to start getting these wins here somewhere, Ad. Yeah, 100%. I think, uh, you know, this is a place where you always have to kind of look out for Martin Truex Jr. Just uh, anytime he's comfortable to track, and this definitely feels like one of those tracks he's comfortable at. Um, 
The other thing is, Bob, is we didn't even mention old Denny Hamlin, who, you know, kind of fell victim to transitioning a little bit. And he blew, you know, he blew his car's transmission up shifting because he just wasn't used to shifting in the next gen car here in the spring race last year. So it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening, Bob, because Toyota definitely needs a look to build a little bit of momentum, but it's just not necessarily sure who it's going to come from. I think Denny Hamlet is definitely someone to watch out for in this race. Um, for a lot of the same reasons that I think Martin Truex Jr. is somebody you got to watch out for. Just a veteran who's comfortable with the track. Um, seems as if it's going if it's going to come from anyone at this point, it's going to be Denny. But Toyota definitely needs to get something going here, Bob. Absolutely. And you look at the Toyota side. Denny is the, the most recent winner at Las Vegas, I believe, the playoff race in 2021. So uh, if anyone has that, you know, pedigree to win here recently, it is Denny Hamlin, obviously. Uh, Truex has two wins, one of, I think, four or five drivers in the field that has multiple wins at this track. As far as the other Toyota side, 23-11. I mean, for Bubba Wallace, it's more just, you know, building consistency this year, putting yourself, getting a maximum amount of points. With this field being as deep as it is, you can't afford weeks like last week where, you know, the engine blows and you you have a great result turn into 30th. And on the other coin ad, Tyler Reddick just needs to finish the race, which... We've been saying that now for a year and a half, it feels like. Yeah, it's just kind of same old song and dance, obviously switches, you know, switches the cars. But it, it certainly doesn't help Tyler Reddick that Kyle Busch has immediately gotten to that eight car and has had success. Um, definitely kind of seems like pressure is mounting. Um, and, you know, of course, as the longer Tyler Reddick goes without getting a win, the easier it is for people to kind of point the finger and make the comparison and say, oh, hey, look, you know, you know, um, RCR is really coming out of this on top of things and da 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 da, da. And I, I just think, you know, Tyler Reddick has a ton of talent. I don't think anybody's ever going to doubt that, but it, it will be interesting to see how he handles the pressure of kind of everybody. It, it definitely feels like everyone in the NASCAR world is whispering right now, kind of like, oh, well, it seems as if RCR kind of landed the first punch here. And it'll be interesting to see how Tyler Reddick and 2311 respond because <laughs> Like you said, he's just got to finish the race at this point. And Bubba's running well. Um, be interesting to see. He just needs to continue, you know, continue the experience. Obviously, first time racing back at Las Vegas since the ugly incident in the playoffs that got him suspended. So be interesting to see how he handles that. I'm sure it will come up in media and stuff like that. But uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of interesting storylines for the Toyotas headed into the weekend, Bob. I don't see Bubba Wallace wrecking Kyle Larson this week. I think that's a one-time thing. If you're a gambling man out in the desert, I don't think that that one's going to come up again. Uh, but yeah, I, I, they just got to they got to continue that consistency. And for Tyler Reddick, like I said, he's got to finish races. A lot of bad luck, but you know, we said that with William Byron, you and multiple guys, the field is so deep that you have to just you know maximize your runs every week because you look at Martin Truex last year. Third race of the year, almost won. And then we thought, okay, well, you know, he's going to have plenty of opportunities. Worst case, he'll point himself in. And then he was the odd man out in the playoffs. And you look at that race as one of the golden opportunities among a couple. You can't have those kind of races. And it's just, it's fascinating to see the margin for error each week is becoming thinner and thinner, it feels like, in the Cup Series. And that, you know, we might as well just look at the third side of the, the garage, the Fords. I mean, 
you could probably make the argument that they've shown the most consistent speed out of top to bottom their teams, but I don't know. What, where, where do you want to start here? There's a lot you could go with. Well, I mean, you teased it earlier, so I mean, we got We kind of got to start here. I mean, there's there's a certain man Ooh, yes, driving, the, the... driving a Ford, Bob, who will be starting here at Las Vegas for the 28th time. You want to fill in our, the our Aflac listeners? trivia question? The Aflac trivia question. Your answer is Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick. This is his 28th start at Vegas. Ad. That is crazy. 28 races. I mean, that is. He's raced there. He's raced at Las Vegas more years than I've been alive. And I think that's the only thing that I. You know, that's that's it. That's that's the craziest stat no, I've got. It's one of those things you'll hear us say it year time after time here. Kevin Harvick has been an integral part of NASCAR since I've started following it. And uh, I'm going to miss him dearly. And this is just one of those stats that's a head scratcher, but just shows you how consistent he's been in the sport for as long as I've been alive. Consistency is, is Kevin Harvick's name. I mean, he's the closer. You find him in races that he wins that, he has no business, but he puts himself in a position. He's a Hall of Fame Alex Bowman, pretty much, with a championship. But, um, you know, two wins at Vegas and, tw- and 27 starts. I mean, he, he's got multiple wins there. Obviously, you look at the other side of the coin with the Fords. Brad Keselowski and Joe Logano, all with three wins. Uh, they lead the garage and active drivers with wins at Las Vegas. And really, when you look at from the last decade, yeah, Hendrick has been the, the class of the field in the last two spring races. but Really, the Fords have been probably, over time, the best car at Las Vegas, just from a, you know, consistency basis there. And I'm curious to see if that keeps up, because add Joe Logano was your fall winner last year. People forget that. And I'll, I'll get into a spiel here in a minute about that. But, I mean, there's no reason to think that Ford can't keep that 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 speed up, whether it's Stuart Haas, whether it's Penske. I'm, I'm curious to think what you got, what you think of the Fords this weekend. Yeah, I mean, all the guys you mentioned, you obviously have to look out for, whether it's, you know, it's Joe Logano, it's Brad Keselowski, but even the people that you didn't mention, Bob, who, honestly, it's it's kind of the guys who get not necessarily forgotten, but at this point, Ryan Blaney is going to win a race. At some point, he's been too good for, you know, for too long here. He is going to win a race, obviously had the all-star race, so unless you count that, but I mean a points race that will qualify him for the playoffs. I think he's got to be due at some point, and this feels as good of a track as any for Ryan Blaney, to be honest with you. Um, I think another guy that you kind of have to take a look at is Christopher Busher. Good old Christopher Busher, I think, has started really strong, um, you know, where obviously they were in very good position, both, you know, both he and Brad Keselowski at Daytona. It just feels like this mile and a half, Christopher Busher has gotten better and better at these types of tracks. I wouldn't be surprised if he necessarily comes out and surprises people. And speaking of surprising people, Bob, the one, the only, the man that Tony Stewart has vouched for and has kind of made him proud to this point, Ryan Priest, who has quietly had a very, very good year. Obviously, we're very early, so things, you know, very small sample size, but has, seems to be taking advantage of this second lease on his career. So a lot of guys to watch for these forwards, Bob. And like you said, it just feels as if they are the most consistent team right now. And as crazy as it seems, because last year their cars were just spontaneously combusting at random racetracks, God knows where, for whatever knows, for reasons we still don't really know about, 
I, I think if you have to pick a manufacturer who seem I seem most confident in, it's got to be Ford. I mean, the woman stole my Ford Fusion for a reason, Bob. It had to be for reliability. And at this point, I'm relying on Ford. If you see a white Ford Fusion from uh, 2016 rolling around the track in first, congratulations. Adam O'Shea, breaking balls, has won the uh, the, the spring race in, in Las Vegas. We did it. But, um no, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Ford is definitely the, the team that I feel like you're consistently going to have the confidence in when you come to Vegas. And, you know, whether that's Brad Keselowski, whether that's Joe Logano, whether that's Kevin Harvick, you know, they've just seemed to have the guys that have been, you know, around the block and have the experience at this track. And I know there's guys like, you know, Larson and like Denny Hamlin that, you know, they've had success here, but it feels like Joey Logano is kind of the guy that really comes to mind, at least for me especially in the last five years that has really been good at Vegas. And, you know, I mentioned it earlier. He won the fall race. This is one of two races at Vegas. And this is kind of, you know, the setup race for the, the fall playoff race. And I mentioned it was the, the round of eight intro, the, the first round or the, the, the first race of that kind of segment of the playoffs. And that, this is kind of a crazy sound crazy take here. I think that's the most important race of the entire NASCAR season for the, the garage and the drivers. And hear me out as you have to get to this point, obviously in the round of eight to, to matter. But if you win that race, you're in the final four. And not only are you in the final four, you have two weeks to prep your car for Phoenix. You don't have to worry about racing your way in. You don't have to worry about, I mean, yeah, you have to get a car ready for those next two playoff races, but your research and development is on, hey, we're going to Phoenix three weeks. We're going for a championship. And Joe Logano even mentioned that last year after he won his championship in Phoenix. He said, hey, you know, we had time to prepare. We had you know, our minds eased that we were going to the championship. Obviously, you can't take so much of the spring race to the fall race, but it's a great indication of what you got when you're going into and again, in my opinion, the most crucial race of the year. So uh, this is where a lot of these teams, Ford in particular, can learn for uh, for the nitty gritty. No, I agree with you 100%, Bob. I think, you know, we talk about it a lot. The mile and a half speedway course is NASCAR's bread and butter. It always has been. It always will be. It is what this sport is built on. It is its foundation, the concrete bedrock at which we build everything off of. So it is it is not only the most I, I have to agree it's not only the most important race of the year bob it should be the most important race of the year because this is the type of track i think if you talk to a lot of a lot of drivers this is one of those tracks that you know it comes up anytime you talk about it like the driver's favorite tracks you know obviously it was fontucky rip homestead miami is another one guys love bristol there's you know there's certain tracks and Las Vegas seems to be that track as far as the mile and a half go. Um, and it just feels like if you are going to be dominant at any track, as a, as a driver who is consistently making the playoffs and has that chance to get into the top eight, I mean, you can just put so much of your playoff life at ease, like you're saying. Winning this race in the, you know, headed into the round of four, it just allows you so much of an advantage. And, it, it's it's hard to even really quantify because of course there's the R and D that goes on, but then just the mental, the the lack of mental strain, knowing that you don't you could show up and 
literally just, you know, start, start and park and have nothing, you know, have no sorts of issue. And you're in that final four. It just, it, it, the advantage is, is really invaluable, Bob. I, I agree. And again, this is a spring race, so the track is going to be different. Everything is going to be different, but it's just a good kind of gauge to, you know, know what you've got going into that race where, you know, next week in Phoenix, it's the same way. You know, obviously it's half the half the sample size of what that round of eight is going to be like. But you know, next week, if you have a good car at Phoenix in the spring, you're not going to be horrible, at least going to the final four. You've at least got something to start with. And these are the kind of tracks that, yeah, we're starting. It's it's week three of the, the NASCAR season, but you can't take it lightly because it's going to matter down the line. Every week does. The margin for error, like I said, is razor thin. And with the, the parity as it is in the garage, these kind of tracks are what are really going to separate the field. Yeah. I mean, gone are the days of kind of, okay, well, we'll get it next time we show up to the track or anything like that. There is only one opportunity for NASCAR teams to be in the situation where we are right now to where every team has only raced here. This will be the third time with these next gen cars. So the more these teams get here, the more that they're able to kind of gather data. And then obviously the engineering and the R&D kind of takes over and you'll start to see kind of the bigger teams with more money to spend kind of differentiate. But as far as these next few years, Bob, I think as we go to these tracks and especially the ones we go to twice, I think the more data that they have, we're going to see what works, what doesn't. Um, I'm just I'm very intrigued to see if there is any manufacturer that can do anything this week to give them give our you know give their cars a little bit of an advantage. I think it's so interesting to me just kind of watching as we go to these tracks with the first time with the different front ends. If there's any any sort of aero type type of advantage or things like that with drafting, I mean all things I don't really understand, but all things that I I just want to know is it going to make the car go faster or is it not. How, you know, how do I handicap this type of situation? Bob, a lot of questions are going to get answered this weekend in Las Vegas, and I'm just excited to watch it. A lot of questions are going to get answered. Um, we're going to be close. We'll be a couple hours away out in Phoenix. Ad, it's going to be like we're there. We're just going to get the city ready for NASCAR next week is what we're doing here. Um, I am excited to have the podcast in person, a little bit of uh, Breaking Balls live. Uh, that being said, Ad, you know, weekend in Vegas. It's a good bachelor party spot, by the way. I don't know if anybody told you, but um, who do you like this weekend? It's prediction time. I've got I've got two questions for you, but that's my first one. Who do you like this weekend to win in Las Vegas? You know, I think for whatever reason, my my stolen Ford Fusion has been on my mind as of late, and you know, for we spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about the great state of Texas. It's more specifically Waco. So I'm going to pick a Texas native. It is going to be Christopher Busher. I'm pretty sure he's from wow. Texas. All if right. he's not from Texas, I don't know. But I like him this week, Bob. I think he's got, had a lot of speed early in the season. I think the Fords are definitely the most reliable of the manufacturer. I think Christopher Busher surprises a lot of people at this track and takes a win. Would be a huge step for RFK if that happens. It really would solidify them as kind of being back, if you will. Uh, I'm actually going to go with kind of a similar style being back. I'm going Martin Trix Jr. Actually, uh, you know, I mentioned it earlier. Two wins. I think he's going to tie Joey and Brad for three uh, and get the monkey off his back. Get that 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 points racing win. You know, he won the clash. He's he's finally got the taste of victory and. 
I, Toyota's got to win eventually. Why not this week? Why not be in the city that, uh, you know, you might as well get a little lucky in every once in a while. Hey, man. I mean, it's good to be – it's better to be lucky than good, especially in Las Vegas. So I'm sure there will be a few NASCAR drivers asking for it this week, Bob. And add, that's a perfect segue, actually, because my next question – this is how I want to wrap the podcast up, if that's okay. I'm going to give you a question, my friend. You're going to Vegas this weekend in theory or any weekend. You get to pick two NASCAR drivers to be in your group with you. Who are you going with? Oh, gosh. Current? And you can't say Noah Gragson because that's too easy. Okay, so we'll take Noah Gragson out of it. Um, okay, so we're going current. We're not gonna. We're not putting past drivers in, right? Just current gentlemen mm-hmm. on the Whoever is group. in the field this weekend is, is fair game. Okay. Um... All right. You know what? I think undercover pick, I'm picking Ryan Blaney. I think Ryan Blaney, you know, good looking guy, always good to put him in the crew. Don't have to worry about him being underdressed. I think he's stylish. We got a lot going. Brings a lot of energy to the crew. You need that. I think you need, you need someone like Ryan Blaney in, in the squad. And then where do we head? I mean, I guess it kind of depends on what kind of night you're looking for. I mean, are you going like, if you're going out gambling, I think. It's a question. I mean, yikes, Bob. You know what? I like it. Let's head to Margaritaville, and I'm I'm celebrating a gentleman's retirement. It's Kevin Harvick. We're bringing Dad out. We're going to take him out. We're going to go to Margaritaville. We're going to split a fishbowl drink. We're going to have a blast listening to Cheeseburger in Paradise at the bar, Bob. I like that. and I, I, I like that. I, I think that that's – those are two of – like guys, I consider. I actually was gonna say Blaney, but I'm gonna, you know, it's it's your bachelor party weekend. I'm giving you first pick on that, uh, so I'm gonna go with two different ones. I'm gonna go with Kyle Busch. Two reasons. Uh, one, he knows Vegas. He knows it well. It's hometown. He can give you some good spots. And two, I'm gonna feel protected if I'm around Kyle Busch at all times. So uh, I'm gonna feel safe around that man. Just for reasons, if you've read the news, I, I'm not gonna tell you otherwise. And then the other one, add. I'm thinking strategically here. Listen, you're you're in a bachelor party. You're you're getting engaged. You don't have to worry about this. I'm a single man. If there's any breaking balls, ladies out there. I'm a single man. I'm going out there with the other single driver that I know for sure is ready to mingle. Martin Truex Jr. is out there. If you've read the news from the last few weeks on him too, I'm just gonna spill it. I'm sure he would love to go out there with me and 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 just you know see the town. So I'm gonna go with Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. An old Toyota reunion. Goodness gracious, Bob. I mean, I don't know if your weekend... We went off the rails there a little bit. I'm sorry. I don't know if your weekend would be a great time or massively depressing. But I guess it would all depend on where the 19's at in his personal life. But we will avoid that. Like the <laughs> Well, I, I, before before we uh, before we turn into TMZ breaking balls over here, Ad, I think I think we need to wrap this up. I'm very excited to see you this weekend. I really hope we can record something post post race or something that we're alive, just to give an indication to our viewers. But um, is there any message that you want to give to them? No, um, like we said in the intro, this could be the very last episode of Breaking Balls because there's a chance that both members of this podcast are tragically killed in in some sort of alcohol-induced accident. But at this point, I'm I'm really not necessarily sure what to expect. Um, I have had a lot of the details of my bachelor party hidden from me. Um, 
shout out to my brother for planning a lot of this and then my friends for keeping a lot of this a secret. So we are headed for something this weekend. I'm not necessarily sure what it is, but um, if I am alive, I will be podcasting on Sunday and I am looking forward to a fun race in Las Vegas. Well, I am very excited to uh, to wrap it all up here and recap it whenever we do add. On that note, this has been episode 46 of the Breaking Balls podcast. When you hear us next, Adam will have a Jimmy Spencer lookalike stripper uh, around his party. But other than that, that'll wrap it up. We'll, uh, we'll see you on the other side, folks.